0: and welcome to another episode of the Source Material Podcast. The Source Material Comics Podcast. That's right. I am your host, Jesse Starcher. And this episode is all about Morbius. That is right. We got a film coming out here pretty soon. I believe by the time this airs, it'll be airing in the week. So at some point... You should be seeing the film drop in theaters shortly after this episode airs. And uh, we're going back to 2013. Oh, man, I better get my notes. Yeah, cover dated uh, March of 2013 for the first issue. So this is a nine-issue series titled uh, Morbius The Living Vampires. Uh, This, yeah, again, came out in 2013. Of course, Morbius has been around for quite a while before then, but I'm not here alone. That is right. We've talked about Morbius in the past on the Unspoken Issues podcast, during our deep dive, if you will, into the Midnight Mm -hmm. Suns. Uh, Chris Armstrong, welcome back to the Source Material Comics podcast, buddy. Are you ready to talk some
1: Morbius? Happy to be here, ready to talk Morbius again. You know, right. we actually have talked about him a couple times because the first time we talked about him was the first time the movie was supposed to be. Actually, it was right after the trailer came out for the for, for the oh, Morbius. Oh, thing. yeah. And we yeah. did unspoken issues on Spider-Man 14, I think, 13, I guess, maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, was it McFarlane's like last issue?
1: It was, he did the X-Force crossover issue after that two-parter with Morbius. Okay. I can't remember okay. which issue we covered. It was probably 13. That's the famous black suit cover. Got to yeah, talk we, to Gregory right about and, that. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then we talked about him in October for Midnight Suns, and now he's back again.
0: That's right. He certainly is. Uh, yeah, this uh, this movie. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many more times it could get delayed. I think, so
1: I'll ask you just real quick was this a series that you were buying was no this was all fresh for me i remember when this uh series dropped and i like the i remember liking the fir- first issues uh cover and joe keate uh kidding I'm, I'm
0: gonna go with keating I, i'll just say that Keating, that's, yeah that's probably like, correct uh, I doubt it.
1: <laughs> he had done the glory series for rob liefeld's uh, extreme you know branch yeah. of image and I really liked that series. I think it was like fourteen issues, something like that. And which largely that was due to the art, but also I I still like the story and everything. So I don't think I've read anything else he's done besides glory. So I was excited to to check this out when I realized he was the, the same guy. Yeah, I didn't know he did glory. That's pretty cool. I've been intending to reread that because I've got like a hardcover. I picked up like a, a, a secondhand hardcover at like a maybe at a Comic Con. I can't remember where I got it but uh, i think it's like 12 13 issues i was going to ask you what is your history i don't know if we've discussed it or not but with morbius like where did you first become aware of morbius cuz he's not super popular he's kind of one of the almost c level marvel anti-hero character he's kind of he's a good guy sometimes but usually a villain i guess
0: i can remember reading comics uh, in the 80s and then to the 90s but I don't remember ever seeing anything or picking anything up with Morbius in it. We, we read mm-hmm. that uh, issue of Spider-Man, the adjectiveless Spider-Man, and I wasn't reading that at the time. So yeah. that would have probably been one of the possibilities of me running into that. But I never picked it up, so I never read that. OK, very first time that I've probably recognized Morbius as being a part of the Marvel Universe. We were I was at a comic store some. Legitimately, it was the first floor of some dude's house, in <laughs> this huge room with all these comics that he was selling comics out of. Mm. And the guy had the whole midnight. I'm pretty sure it was either the whole midnight. I think it was the whole midnight sun's run. Um, all individual issues, all cellophane and packaged together. Uh, yeah. And I I remember seeing uh, either either seeing that or or something that led me to see that Morbius was a part of that. I know he's been around for a while. I mean, we talked about <laughs> that already. He's been around since what it was the seventies. Yeah. So, but yeah, I've never picked up anything else with him in it. I never really got into, into him as a character. He's pretty freaky. I mean, he's a cool looking character. As a matter <laughs> of fact, he's one of the few Marvel legends that I bought for my son there, I, oh, yeah. I, I bought, a I bought a, a, Morbius Marvel legends figure for him. And uh, it was pretty sick, dude. It came with uh <laughs> came with a cape and, and a couple other things, but and of course, what me and you have experienced together reading these comics—that's—that's. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, I saw where uh, Deed was talking about going back and reading some of the old.
1: Yeah, old he got things. an epic collection, I think, of Morbius.
0: Yeah, and he was saying something about what is it called—the um, Tomb
1: of Dracula.
0: It wasn't Tomb of Dracula. I'm going over to his Facebook.
1: I've started reading the Tomb of Dracula series on Marlon. That's one of the reasons I got it is because they have some of that older stuff. And I wanted to read Tomb of Dracula and because that's where Blade is introduced a lot of the Night Stalkers and Darkhold stuff all kind of originated in that series. So
0: Dean says, if you've never read the Adventure into Fear books, so Adventure into Fear uh, published between 1970 and and 1975, it looks like it just covers some of the crazier horror related stuff. Like, man, they got I'm looking at uh, the Wikipedia right now, Adventure into Fear number 11 and the front Pay or front cover has man thing on it, and then we have Adventure into Fear number twenty with Morbius the Living Vampire. He became the star of that feature, according to this. Became the starring hmm. feature with Adventure into Fear number twenty and continued through the rest of the run. So that That's was all. Cool. I didn't
1: realize he had ever had like his own book until the Midnight Suns era and stuff.
0: It sounds like one of those situations where the title did its own thing for a little bit and then all of a sudden a character appeared and that character was like so popular it took it over. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. That's a neat little history of uh me and
1: Morbius. You know, I had the Spider Man issues and I had the Midnight Sun stuff, but I think the first time I was thinking of it's today. Yeah. The first time I can remember Morbius do you do you know about the uh Spider Man saga book from like ninety mm. 90- that I think sounds it started in '91 and may have gone into '92. It was like four <laughs> or six issues.
0: <laughs> that sounds really familiar. I'm looking it up.
1: It's not even a real comic. Uh, it's it's. Um, I mean, it's in a comic format, but it's basically they just take panels from like big events in Spider-Man's history, and then they're like. Paragraphs over to the side, like to kind of explain basically the entire Spider-Man story from like the first appearance up through it goes to the end of the '80s, I think, like to around the time Venom shows up. I had been reading comics less than a year probably when that series came out, so that was like my primer for Spider-Man <laughs> uh, wow. when I was a kid. That's where I learned about Morbius and the six arms and the spider buggy and all the like all the lore of Spider-Man that you know I had never read in comic book form. I kind of got from that series.
0: That's really cool. I'm actually taking a look at it right now. Okay, yeah, we'll do the standard uh, source material thing here, where I'll we'll talk about the first three issues. I'll give the synopsis, and we'll then we'll talk about them. Same thing with the next three, and then same thing with the next three. I figured we divided by three. Good. Are you ready, man? Ready, to roll. All right, here we go. That synopsis is coming up, but first let me talk about Amazon Music. If you're looking for a good platform that can fill those musical needs, Amazon Music has you covered. If you head to getamazonmusic.com/w2mnetwork, you can get a free 30-day trial where you can check out over 70 million songs. That's getamazonmusic.com/w the number two m network for that free 30-day trial. Yeah, again, Morbius, the Living Vampire, cover dated March of 2013, Joe Keating writing. Richard Elson as uh, the artist here, Antonio Fabella for colors, uh, VCs Clayton Coles lettering, and uh, our cover. Which, by the way, this this first issue's cover really kicks some ass. Uh, Gabrielle Delato, De doubt I'm pronouncing that right, but
1: Delato. I don't. I'm not sure, but I didn't realize that was the cover artist. But I like uh, I like the art. Yeah, right, dude. I think that looks- was the uh, Secret War artist as well.
0: Oh really? Okay.
1: Okay, not well, from the '80s. the The one that Bendis did in like 2004 or something like that.
0: Well, I, I will tell you that it looks sick. It's uh, this, <laughs> especially this first this first issue, and then the rest of these issues. It looks like I don't know. It looks like they're they're trading responsibilities for some of the cover artists. I'm looking through just to see David Lopez does issue six. Then uh, looks like David Lopez. Okay, issue three is David Lopez. Uh, Then cover artist Mike Diodato Jr. and Edgar Delgado on issue two for the cover. Uh, So it looks like they're kind of spreading things around. I will tell you uh, that as we go into issue six and seven, the artist, the interior artist changes to Valentin Delandro. And we will I'm getting your opinion on that. Just you just hang (laughs) tight. Okay, here we go. So issues one through three, Morbius has finally escaped the raft, the mega prison built for superpowered beings and is looking for a place to lay low. Soon after escaping, Morbius finds a man by the name of Justin who helps him out by giving him some clothes and a tip that a small town named Brownsville might just be the spot Morbius can make a home for a little while, as it seems there is very little superhero activity there at all. After arriving, Morbius remains off of anyone's radar until he eventually runs afoul of the local head of criminal activity, Noah St. John. Now, after Noah and his crew attack and shoot Morbius on a subway, they believe him to be dead. However, Morbius's body heals, and with the help of a local homeless resident slash artist by the name of Becky, he is able to recover. When Becky is late for her babysitting job, she takes Morbius to meet a strong-willed single mother by the name of Wanda. However, Wanda's son, Henry, who also happens to be Noah's nephew, has been taken by the gang leader to their hangout. When Becky and Morbius show up to retrieve Henry, things go from bad to worse as a confrontation inevitably occurs. And during the fight, Morbius' bloodlust takes over and he tears into Noah's throat, leaving him bleeding a bleeding, dying mess in front of his crew. Now, as Becky and Henry try to escape a very volatile situation, Morbius dodges gunfire until Noah's girlfriend, Rochelle, shoots Morbius straight in the throat, putting him down and capturing him. Morbius explains he is a doctor, and as Noah fights for his life, he is their best chance to save him. Rochelle agrees to let him loose to try to save Noah, but assures him that if Noah dies, Henry, Becky, and Wanda will not survive. During the procedure, Morbius learns a bit of history behind Noah and his rise to control of the city of Brownsville, how he disappeared and came back much different and stronger. Surprisingly, Noah awakens for a split second, killing the man assisting Morbius. Morbius attempts to subdue Noah by slamming him back into the table. And with all all of this, Morbius now realizes Noah is dead. And on top of that, so does Rochelle. So there is our first three issues. I'll start us out here. So our big bad of these first three is definitely Noah. This guy, you know, this big, rough and tough dude who has, I don't know, about 50 piercings all up and down his face and back. I mean, (laughs) he's got these studs in his face, which looks very uh, intimidating. But uh, so our big bad by issue three is immediately taken out by Morbius who just lunges. Well, actually you don't even see him lunge. Like one panel is just him looking at him. And then the next one is just his mouth tearing (laughs) Noah's throat out. And that took me by surprise. I was thinking Mm -hmm. like, you know, I thought that we were going to probably uh, we're going to have a situation where this is going to be drawn out. And these nine issues that we get, (laughs) I didn't know if this was a contained series or whatever, but I thought this was going to go on much longer. But at the end of issue two is him tearing his throat out. And then issue three is them trying to figure out how to save him. Yeah. Uh, Much like the rest
1: of the series, it's all over the place. (laughs) It
0: is. It really is. This this is the villain
1: situation.
0: Right there's even at one point where like Morbius goes after him and Noah takes him and grabs him like by the face and like shoves him down into the ground. I'm like, right. wow, Morbius, you, <laughs> you're, uh, you're having some trouble here. So I thought this was going to go on a lot longer than it did. And then within two pages, uh, you know, this guy is fighting for his life after
1: Morbius mm-hmm. just
0: like takes him out. But, uh,
1: he really hung on though with that <laughs> that throat ripped out. He, no kidding. Cause I mean, when he, he does it and then, uh, Morbius, He rips his throat out, and then Morbius gets, like, knocked out or something. I forget exactly what happened, but uh, he comes to, and he's strung up by, I guess that's Noah's sister. Is that right?
0: Uh, Rochelle is, I think, his girlfriend. Okay, that's right. And she, yeah, the reason why he gets taken out, he gets shot. Uh, Rochelle shoots Morbius, like, straight in the throat, and then he's down Mm -hmm. on the ground, and that's when they string him up, so... Yeah, but when he
1: comes to, Noah is still alive, and like it's got to have been a while, right? Mm-hmm. right. Maybe that's you know the enhancements or whatever keeping him going, but
0: well, they had that one arm surgeon. I don't know if he had worked on him before. Then, but they <laughs> had this one armed guy that was helping out Morbius, who met meets his unfortunate end. He yeah, but killed. he admitted
1: like he his only training was like a first aid class at the Y or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. I liked how this started out, like you know Morbius is supposedly dead. And you're like, oh, man, you know, this is kind of a this is kind of a trope anymore. They kind of do this cliche where the, the hero's dead. How did we get here? And, right. and I find that interesting. I'm all
1: right with that. I mean, that's a good storytelling technique. But the weird thing about it is they do the flashback. You know, it opens up with him getting shot like he's dead or whatever. And we don't see the like the resolution of how we got to that point until the second issue. Right. And it just, it just, it seems really clumsy. I don't know. I don't know. And that may have been, I want to go ahead and (laughs) point out again that I liked uh, Keating's other stuff or Keating's Mm -hmm. other stuff that that I've read uh, or the one other thing that I've read. Uh, And I don't think this is like a badly written story. There are just a lot of problems that I have with it. Structurally, it's weird. And it might've also been an issue where like Marvel, you know, you have to have you know you got a twenty-page count or a twenty-two-page page count every issue. Uh, maybe he was trying to get. Maybe the first issue was supposed to be 32 long. pages or whatever right. and he just right. had to kind of work with it i don't know all the details as far, as far as the as the production and stuff goes but maybe he would have been better if he had been given like a graphic novel which is something marvel doesn't really hardly ever do right uh, especially for morbius they're not going to give somebody right. a, morbius, a graphic <laughs> novel but yeah i just thought that was really weird that they did that uh non-linear storytelling thing but they don't do it very often they only do it a couple of times in the book and in the first two issues, it kind of overlaps into the second issue that I just thought was kind of clumsy.
0: Yeah. And I want to throw this at you and get your opinion, because this was one of the comments that i had seen online about this man. Morbius got nerfed hard to present him a challenge here. So would you say that Morbius got nerfed uh, in these first three
1: issues? <laughs> you, you know, what? I, I do think that's the case because he's, I don't know, he, he's getting shot and it's, I guess I don't know enough about his, uh, about past Morbius adventures to know if, if uh, bullets really hurt him that badly, but right. he doesn't uh, I, seem uh, as, as threatening and, and intimidating in this as he has in the past.
0: Well, I mean, he's like, you know, he, he's hoodie wearing, you know, hanging out, <laughs> but I, I, you know, reading this, I don't know. I don't know if I would agree with the whole nerfing thing either. I'm kind of like in <laughs> your boat where I'm like, well, I don't know a whole lot about this guy. Previous issues aside. I mean, if he's hanging out with some of the Marvel superheroes slash supervillains, whatever, uh, and is able to hold his own, then I still think Noah's and they give him a history that shows that he's uh, he's been enhanced, right? Because he's going to go, you know, they're going to we're going to find out here a little bit about his uh, his origin story, I guess. What do you what do you guys say about these first three issues? Anything else?
1: Um, I liked the Wanda character. I, I you know you feel for her, like with her son in that situation, not in a great neighborhood, not seemingly being able to get out of there. She plays a bigger role in the early issues and then kind of disappears, kind of. Um, mm-hmm later. That's just, I guess it's just another example of how disjointed the whole series kind of feels. Really? Yeah. Um th- This is a kind of a completely different take on Morbius, and I think one of the reasons I don't like this very much is because it's so different, and I don't have a whole lot of, uh, a wealth of knowledge uh, or experience reading Morbius stuff. I read some of the Midnight Suns era stuff, um, and some of the appearances he's had in Spider-Man and, and stuff like that, but this just doesn't feel like a Morbius like storyline.
0: This is just dude wants to be alone, goes uh-huh. to find a place to be alone, and then ends up running afoul of some of the local, uh, yokels.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it seems like this is a story that maybe he had in mind and Marvel offered him, Hey, you, you want to do Morbius? And he was like, sure. I've already got this, uh, you know, the story in mind. I'll just throw Morbius in there as the, as the, uh, as the lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, But I mean, I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, let's
0: get into four, five and six. So issue four starts in the past, showing us events that happen in Brownsville, where a young bullied David Brill was abducted by a masked woman and taken to a place called North Brother Island. Taken below, David is promised that he can be transformed into something more and return a leader to Brownsville. In the present, Morbius has to deal with the crew's reaction to the death of their leader, Noah. When Morbius takes control to ensure his friends' lives are no longer in danger, the hangout is soon besieged by familiar masked figures attacking both Morbius and Noah's crew. Noah's girlfriend says that if Morbius, this is uh, Rochelle, says that if Morbius helps her against them, she will make sure his friends are safe. Soon, the masked intruders grab Noah's body and escape with it onto a helicopter. In the aftermath, Rochelle explains that when David Brill was taken, Brownsville was a city filled with violence. But David's return as the powerful Noah St. Germain, I called him Noah St. John, didn't I? Yeah, well, anyway, (laughs) whatever his name is, Noah, Noah St. Germain, Uh, allowed him to take control and initiate some type of order. But now, with Noah gone, the chaos is bound to return. At the end of issue four, we see Justin, the man from the first issue, tied to a chair, who claims he got Morbius to Brownsville just as he was asked. And who did the asking? The Rose. I'm going to stop here real quick. What do you think of the... Have you ever seen the Rose before?
1: The Rose sucks. (laughs) Who likes the Rose? Uh, Yeah. um, My first (laughs) memories of the Rose were him... As like a villain in a web, web of Spider-Man. Web of Spider-Man,
0: I, I bet yeah. you're seeing the same cover I am.
1: It's like a six issue, uh, six part story. I think I never read those. That I, that's a book I was reading uh, Web Web of Spider-Man in those days. Yeah, and I think I missed maybe the first part, so I just never got back <laughs> to it until that storyline was over. Anyway, I, I know he's popped up in a lot of Spider-Man books over the years uh he just looks dumb he's got a stupid mask i've <laughs> just never uh cared much and plus he's like wilson fisk's uh he's the kingpin's son and i think he that died at one point but he i think, did this i is, think when he came but i think by the time i was into comics that was like him after he had been resurrected or whatever i don't even know if this is the same this, character. this is not, not
0: no right. this is um This is somebody else that's put the mask on. So I think whoever's pulling the strings behind the rows, like, well, I don't even know if the strings are being pulled, but I think like somebody – dons the mask as the Rose does their thing as the Rose. And then they may be done. And somebody else picks up the mask as the Rose and does their thing. But I I feel like there's somebody behind the scenes that that's like, okay, now you're going to be the Rose and you're going to do this for me. (laughs) It's so funny. You mentioned how disjointed this is because things get disjointed here soon. Mm -hmm. They get crazy.
1: You know, he's kept in the shadows and never show his face. Who this mysterious benefactor of St. Germain is or whoever powered him up or whatever. And then they get to the final page, this big splash page, where it's revealed that it's the Rose, like it's a big deal. <laughs> it's like, OK. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I kind of criticized earlier that, like, the villains are kind of all over the place. But I guess I could give him some credit that, like, you know, they he kind of, Morbius is kind of working his way up the ladder, Mm -hmm. As the story goes, maybe not intentionally, but
0: (laughs) yeah.
1: uh, So like it was St. Germain and then the Rose and then we find out at the end, it's somebody above him. You ever watch 24? The Yeah uh jack bauer hour <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah uh one of my favorite shows and that's kind of how most almost every season is like the first like five episodes there's a bad guy and then that leads jack to another bad guy and mm-hmm. it kind of goes that way every four or five episodes the new villain pops up but um so yeah that that's actually maybe not a huge criticism it's just the fact that the villains are all kind of lame
0: yeah, the roof. <laughs> uh, well, with a little convincing by Becky, Wanda, and the rest of the residents of the city, Morbius has decided to act as a protector of, of the oncoming storm of criminal activity that is about to take place in Brownsville. Remember, Noah was the calm of that storm, even though he was ruthless, pretty violent, uh, mm. but he kept things in check. Well, now that he's gone, things are about to get crazy. So the first step is to remove what is left of Noah's crew but when the rose appears, telling Morbius he has been a pawn of his all along, <laughs> and that, that in eight weeks, everything will fall apart, leaving the rose to reap the rewards. And if Morbius doesn't play along, his mother's life is on the line. Right. By the end of issue five, we find that the person assisting the rose in his criminal endeavors is Morbius's father. In issue six, Morbius has now embraced his role as Brownsville's protector, working with Becky to fight crime. While Morbius is out dealing with some local thugs, Spider-Man shows up, the superior kind, incapacitating him and taking him prisoner to go see Max Modell of Horizon Labs, an old friend of Michael Morbius's. Max explains he bought he brought Morbius there to help investigate a break-in that resulted in a theft of some items and Morbius may be able to piece together what they would be for. Combing through the lab, Spider-Man, Morbius, and Max are attacked by the very thief they are looking for, a young lady proclaiming her name to be Nicoletta Harrow, with very large, powerful gauntlets. (laughs) After beating all three of them, Max asks her why she did this, and she states she was hired to leave them all extra humiliated. We learn at the end of the issue, she was hired by the Rose, and with the... (laughs) And that and that with these devices that she stole, Nicoletta is helping the Rose put together and construct an ultimate nullifier, an ultimate nullifier. Okay, (laughs) I I mean, have you heard of the ultimate nullifier?
1: I have. Uh, (laughs) have, Are you (laughs) aware of the ultimate nullifier?
0: (laughs) I am aware of the ultimate nullifier. (laughs) So you're talking about what's he going to do? The Rose, of all people, with an ultimate nullifier.
1: It's just an example of like it's nothing sacred. <laughs> I mean, isn't the ultimate nullifier supposed to be like the one of the great? It's like a cosmic cube, or I mean, it's like the infinity gauntlet. Like it's that level of like unimaginably powerful weapon. But the fucking okay. rose has one. I'm really <laughs> tired. I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> if, if I, uh,
1: like, yeah, now and they couch it a little bit by saying, you know, well, it's not obviously it's not as powerful as a real ultimate nullifier. But right. like, it's too late. You've already said ultimate nullifier. None of That's- this feels right for Morbius. <laughs> no,
0: And and it is not the ultimate nullifier, mm-hmm. but of all, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, what is he going to do with the ultimate nullifier? What is his plans? I don't think he spells them out, but obviously there's a bit of a threat here. I mean, the yeah. Rose has got the ultimate uh, uh, version <laughs> of the ultimate nullifier. This man needs to be stopped or he's going to be, you know, like one of the most infamous Marvel villains ever. Mm. Um, Yeah. Well, we that ain't happening. <laughs> well, we talked about the rose. We talked about the ultimate nullifier. I had down here. I did like. There's a spot in here where many times Morbius is going to the residence of Brownsville, and everybody is like holding him up as a hero. Oh, you got to be our hero. You got to be the champion. You got to be the protector of our city. And he's like, uh, that's not me. Mm-hmm. I'm. I don't do that. And really, you know, all I do is hurt people. He's definitely not super jazzed. He, he wanted right. to go there to be out of the picture. He didn't want anybody to notice him. And of course, now he's being noticed. Everybody wants him to be this thing, and he doesn't want to be this thing. There's a speech that he gives after I think they clean up Noah's crew, where he goes out to the residents. He's like, "Look, all I did was hurt people here. And if you guys want to rise up, it's going to have to be your doing and mm-hmm. and change this city. I'm not. I might be. I might be able to help you, but I'm certainly not going to be the the change that this city needs." Which I thought, okay, as far as concepts go, where this guy who wants to get away is now thrust into the spotlight of being the city's protector, uh, even though he doesn't want to be. I thought that was pretty cool. That's a neat dynamic.
1: Would have been Um, cool if it had been Moon Knight or (laughs) Cage. uh, Right. uh, You know, a lot of uh, better options than Morbius, I think.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. I have a question: Which how many times does Morbius get shot in these issues? Because he is Ugh. shot a lot, a lot.
1: Yeah, I haven't. I didn't keep track, but it's several.
0: Uh, what do you think of the art switch up?
1: It's you know, it's weird. Like I don't dislike the art in this the, this issue. I guess it's the next two issues that these Superior Spider Man issues. It's just such a jarring shift from what's already been established in the series that it. I don't like that, but this guy's got a very specific style. Like uh, I like the way he's doing Spider-Man's eyepieces where they're like really thick. The, the big gauntlets on the, on the girl. Hera, yeah. The name. It's definitely a lot different and not a state. It's not like the standard superhero art style necessarily. Right. Looks uh, almost kind of like a Sean Phillips, but I, I do like it. it. It just, it's jarring going from, the previous which i also like the previous artist as well the art in this is pretty solid throughout but yeah i don't dislike this art it just it's different you know pick a line yeah (laughs) (laughs) right dude
0: like i specifically took a picture and i'm going to share my screen let me see here do you see that? Yeah. <laughs> Those gauntlets are ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> some of the, yeah. I I was like, okay, I, I'm okay with a style choice. That's fine. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, but when you see like this lady's got gauntlets that look like that, <laughs> Harrow's got these great powerful gauntlets that she uses. And these things, I mean, just look like, I don't know. I, I you, you took a big bunch of, freaking pop <laughs> cans and put them together and that's all this is uh
1: yeah, they that, look a little a little smoother in this the next issues that yeah. once the art shifts back
0: this feels like to me like richard is it richard elson he must have had something he had to do and he couldn't do or they were wanting these issues a lot quicker because but he this comes happens. back
1: to the last issue right
0: right yeah he comes back yeah. uh i think we only get two issues from valentine Delandro. And then issue eight and issue nine is Richard Elson again. So to me, it sounds, it feels like, and, issues six and seven are the superior Spider-Man stuff. I believe
1: maybe they were kind of grooming that guy to be a Spider-Man artist or, do, or something like that. So they wanted to give him something to work with. Uh, who knows?
0: Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, you like, you said you liked the superior Spider-Man and the, and the superior Spider-Man's look. It was neat to have, you know, the superior Spider-Man show up in all his, uh, what, you know,
1: he's stock off his, <laughs> his arrogance. On. And yeah, there you go. That's the word. Yeah. It's always cool to go back and read. You know, this is a book that's nine years old now. It's kind of cool to go back and read uh, Marvel stuff or DC, you know, and see like, oh, this is, this is in this time period. This is in the Superior Spider-Man time period when Otto was controlling, you know, Peter Parker, or, you know, you read some old um, Avengers books. Oh, this is when Bucky was Captain America. Like you get to see all these, or, or, you know, Azrael was Batman at this point when this story happened. It's always cool to see the, how, how, deep the lore is and all these uh superhero universes and stuff
0: absolutely yeah for sure and i was Uh, a
1: huge superior spider-man fan i don't know if you've read uh any of that stuff
0: i own every issue but i've never read it and 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 that's and that's what's sad is like because everybody talks about how well that was done Mm -hmm. and i just i haven't had a chance to sit down and read it because uh probably mostly because i'm doing stuff for podcasts but
1: I think it was like two, two and a half years, it seems like. Yeah. And, and, you know, that was not just the Spider-Man book. That was a bunch of miniseries and ancillary titles and stuff that all were kind of tied in. Like, there was a whole bunch of stuff going on there.
0: Anything else on these three issues before we go on to the final three?
1: I think that's it for me.
0: All right, here we go. So, as Harrow infiltrates an AIM base aim... Base gathering more parts for Rose's ultimate nullifier, Max, Superior Spider-Man, and Morbius prepare to track and face Harrow and confront her about her plans. When they find Harrow, the two attempt to overcome her, but when Spider-Man is separated by a force field, Harrow grabs Morbius and teleports them back to the theater headquarters in Brownsville. And as Harrow tells Morbius to get ready to, for the end on the outskirts of town, the Rose presses a button, causing a massive explosion in the middle of Brownsville. Uh, so that's pretty much issue seven. then issue eight, watching the chaos from a dif- distant rooftop, the Rose wants home. Uh, oh, Maka Ma- Morbius's dad. I, I can't pronounce that name.
1: <laughs> Ma- yeah, hey, you. Um, Macario. I have no idea.
0: Ocarina. The Rose (laughs) wants Morbius' father to confirm his arrival time at North Brother Island. As Morbius crawls out from the rubble in the theater, he now has to face off with the power of Harrow and her massive gauntlets. During the battle, Harrow knocks Morbius to the ground. She teleports away for good. And then just then, Becky runs in, giving Morbius some encouraging words, motivating Morbius to pick himself back up and help out the city of Brownsville and confront whoever is attacking it. The Rose unleashes another attack with the hopes that its citizens will blame Morbius for what is happening. However, he gets no reaction as the town has been emptied with the help of some friends of Morbius from Monstropolis. (laughs) When Morbius flags down the Rose for a final confrontation, if I remember right, there's a panel where he's like, he's just waving at us. Uh, The two begin to scuffle and it results in Morbius getting shot with the ultimate nullifier.
1: Getting nullified. He
0: does. And I'm like, okay. I mean, if if there's another issue, I'm going to be surprised. But there is <laughs> issue nine. So the final issue, we flash forward to the future one year later, where Becky is showing off her art at a gallery, talking with Wanda. During an interview with NPR, she talks about Brownsville. Uh, so flashing back to the past, as Morbius apparently lies dead in Brownsville, the Rose escapes to North Brother Island to await the arrival of Morbius's father. However, something stirs in the water surrounding the isle as a battered Morbius arises and attacks the guards on the island. As one of the Rose's assistants contacts Morbius's father, he informs her that he is never coming anyway and that they were pawns in his scheme all along. When Morbius makes his way to the inner parts of the mansion on the island, he finds the Rose awaiting him. When the Rose confirms that Morbius's mother is safe, Morbius makes him aware they were being played as Morbius's mother has been dead for some time. In a fit of rage, Morbius attacks the Rose and rips his throat out. (laughs) On the phone with Morbius's father, tells Morbius that his plan to nearly level the town of Brownsville... Oh my gosh, man. How many, like, (laughs) twists and turns? So Mm -mm. here's, here's Morbius's dad who says, here's my plan. It was to basically level the town of Brownsville in order to rid the area of crime, and now... You know, Morbius is the man that helped help this happen. Uh, And now he has all the contracts to rebuild and gentrify the area and line his pockets. It's a real estate scheme. Yeah. Uh, Disgusted.
1: It's (laughs)
0: all about (laughs) land. Yeah, it's a real estate scheme. And that's it. And that's where this issue ends. Mm. Morbius is mad at his dad (laughs) and leaves. And that is it. So my issue notes. Broken window alert on issue seven. Just let you know.
1: <laughs> hey, finally,
0: <laughs> finally a broken window. Uh What else did I have? Monstropolis. Let's talk about Monstropolis. You ever heard of Monstropolis before?
1: I know that I have, but I don't know any details. He, my, I know Morbius showed up at some point in the superior Spider-Man uh, run. Uh, I think that, this series kind of spun out of the, some of the stuff that was going on, but it, I mean, all that stuff's kind of jumbled together in my memory now. It's been a decade, <laughs> yeah.
0: I I <laughs> um, found I don't,
1: I'm not sure about Monstropolis outside of there's monsters there,
0: yeah. Monster Metropolis is what I linked me to in marvelfandom.com. Morbius is definitely mentioned here. It says Morbius became a de facto leader in Monster Metropolis and even tried to institute law and order, employing the Legion of Monsters, which makes an appearance. I didn't mention that, I don't think, did I? Put something like they were whisked away, taken to Monstropolis or whatever by some friends of Morbius. Well, that was the Legion of Monsters. Uh, so that was yeah, they don't
1: um, do shit.
0: <laughs> they what? don't either. They're <laughs> just like, hey, we're gonna take you here. They just and show up. There's nothing done. They they don't really do a whole lot. But apparently, I thought this was around a lot longer. Monster Metropolis first appearance, Punisher, volume 8, number 12, December that's, of 2009. That must be
1: Franken-Castle. That, must be Frank Castle that
0: is Franken-Castle.
1: Which I have read. That's So I have read some stuff with Metropolis because I did read that series. Yep.
0: Frank it's Castle kind of just... was resurrected by Morbius the Living Vampire and the Legion of Monsters as a patchwork Frankenstein-like mm.
1: creature. You're starting with issues... Six and seven, you know, with Superior Spider-Man coming in, the Ultimate Nullifier, this villain with the big power gauntlets. Like, we've shifted completely from street-level gang stuff right? to six or seven issues later. This is, like, completely sci-fi action stuff. And then Monstropolis. (laughs) Just
0: just, leapfrogging
1: from one outrageous genre to...
0: (laughs) Right, dude. uh, the ultimate nullifier, I don't care if it's ultimate nullifier light, okay? If a person is taking a direct shot from an ultimate nullifier, I don't care how bad the plans are. If it's effective in some way, that person is dead. I don't care if you're Morbius. I mean,
1: they blew up half the city with it. I
0: don't understand. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. For it to be just a stupid real estate scheme, <laughs> gosh, you talk about like, A letdown. I mean, and it's Morbius's dad. Okay, well...
1: It never seemed clear to me either if Morbius knew it was his dad. That's true. That's true. I guess he did. I mean, when he talked to him on the phone, I guess he recognized his voice or whatever. I mean, he's definitely
0: mustache twirly here. I wonder if he's been, like, doing the same thing for a while or Mm -hmm. if this is, like, his first appearance.
1: Surely his parents got brought up at some point in the, the... The 90s Morbius series ran... I think for like 30 issues, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it wasn't that long, but then there was also the (sighs) adventures in fear or whatever. You know, I I would assume that at some point, Nope.
0: I'm in, I'm in marvel.fandom.com, which I have relied on heavily. I relied on this heavily throughout this episode. (laughs) First appearance, amazing Spider-Man volume one, 699.1. Okay. And then, so that
1: is, There was a footnote for that issue in this series. Right. I remember that. So you
0: might remember the cover to this. Morbius has uh, Spider-Man in his arms in the air, and it looks like he's about to throw him. So it's one of these .1 issues that happen, obviously, between. But anyway, that was December of 2012. That's the first time that this uh, Morbius's dad gets mentioned. Mm. So he's not been around. And then, of course, He's only got four appearances listed here, <laughs> and we've read three. Uh, oh, yeah, he we've read three. <laughs> but there's no, and uh, yeah, like hats guy, off to him. This guy gets away with everything. And he never comes back again. Morbius never. We don't have a story where he fi- uh, foils his plans. Nope. He, he more <laughs> at the end of this story. The at the end of this story, the hero is defeated. <laughs>
1: you know i I was gonna ask too like the rose shoots him with adamantium bullets and makes a big deal like remember those and i don't remember that being a thing earlier in the series was it
0: no no i forgot all about that too
1: i was gonna say maybe it happened in that point one issue but the rose i think i don't think morbius has had any any interactions with him until i don't know it just seemed weird like why would adamantium matter like more than regular bullets like they're
0: yeah i mean i mean same. it's a it's a metal i mean it's <laughs> yeah, I mean, a metal i mean it would be armor. one
1: thing if he were bulletproof like if regular bullets couldn't hurt him well adamantium bullets probably will but like <sighs> unless he's allergic to adamantium i doesn't make sense
0: oh uh, i mean that's a possibility I, I know that the adamantium bullet was probably a big thing for Wolverine because yeah <laughs> i think because you couldn't he has a, a an adamantium lace skeleton Mm. Uh, and maybe I'm just thinking of the movie, but I know that if you wanted to put a bullet inside Wolverine's brain, you've got to get through the adamantium that way, but Morbius has, he's just got an accelerated healing factor, I would assume, and that's it that's all Morbius has at least it seems like to me, they go out of their way to say this is a scientific uh, (laughs) disease, it's not supernatural, it's scientific in some way, you're Explanation or your description, I should say, <laughs> of this being a disjointed mess. It it really is.
1: Yeah, I'll say this because we've been pretty negative, but Rich Elson, he was the penciler, right, for most yeah. of the series. I right. like his stuff quite a bit. Again, I like both the artists, but I especially liked Elson. And he's got some killer... Uh, images of Morbius, uh, especially in this last issue, I would love to see him do a Morbius story that was more like horror centric, uh, rather than something like this. Right. Uh, but yeah, he's really, and I, I don't know that I've read anything else that he's done. At least I don't know his name. So I have to, I might check him out and see if he's done anything else that, uh, that I might've heard of.
0: Obviously, I think the big moment for me is when he rips out Noah's throat. Yeah, it's it, it's impactful. It takes you by surprise. And it's, a you know, it's a pretty mm-hmm. violent looking page. But uh,
1: and with uh, with Rose, t- the Rose, too, when that that was a really cool moment when uh, he shoots him with the adamantium bullets or whatever, which doesn't do anything, I guess. The <laughs> Rose basically, I think he says, do your worst. And Morbius says, I intend to. And then he like just chomps down on him. Uh, yep. Blood squirting everywhere—that was pretty cool. That was a uh, cool uh, interaction. All right. So, what what
0: did they say? I mean, it, obviously, we aren't like super Morbius fans. We enjoy the character. We right. enjoy what we read uh, of Morbius, but you know, we're we're not. Exactly thrilled with how <laughs> Morbius was portrayed here. I could imagine what some super fans felt like, but uh, what what do you got there from that final page?
1: The, the only thing that's really, I mean, a lot of it is just thanking people like editors, artists, stuff like that, but uh, he starts out. Thank you for joining us on this all-too-brief <laughs> look at what happens when you put Morbius into a hoodie.
0: Oh, man. Uh, this I take bet you wasn't... people really crapped all over that.
1: <laughs> this is this is kind of interesting. This take wasn't my first pick as to what to do with everyone's favorite science-based vampire. But okay. it turned out to be a lot of fun in large part due to collaborating with Rich Valentin and uh, our highly valued pinch-hitter villain artists. Uh, our take was polarizing, to say the least, but the chance to get to do something so drastically different than status quo with a character is a rare opportunity, and I'm overall happy with the results. Uh, so that's pretty much it, uh, and then it's just a bunch of thanks of different people and stuff. But, um, I mean, he literally says this wasn't my first pick as to what to do with uh, Morbius, so I kind of am curious what his original plan- – I'm sure that info is probably out there on Twitter or something. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I'm curious. That's crazy. Uh, maybe he won't – maybe – Uh, He was tapped to do a Morbius series, but he was already, Morbius was already doing all this stuff in Superior Spider-Man. And they were like, well, this is kind of where he's at now. So here's your launching point. And so he had to just kind of wing it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that could very well be. Uh, Okay. Well, Hey, we're putting Morbius to rest. At least this version of Morbius. (laughs) I really hope that the movie finds its footing. Sometimes Sony knocks it out of the park with these things. And, you know, have they said who the villain's going to be?
1: If they did, I'm not aware.
0: Me either. We know some people that have worked on Morbius comics and, Mm -hmm. you know, we we want nothing but the best for him. So hopefully
1: he'll get a a, uh, nod in the credits. (laughs) I'd
0: love to see that. I'd love to see it. But I think this will bring our discussion about Morbius, the living vampire to a close. So Chris Armstrong, you and I, we hang out on the unspoken issues podcast, but I want to make sure you get all your plugs in here because (laughs) I know you got a a movie podcast you've been doing here lately. So plug away, sir. (laughs) Hey, it's plug time, and you all know what that means. This would be a good time to plug the sponsor of the W2M network, and that is Grammarly. For you, the listeners of source material, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else. You write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com/w2mnetwork. Again, that's getgrammarly.com/w the number two m network to download Grammarly
1: for free. Yeah, I'm. Uh... Also, doing a podcast called Small Screeners, where uh, me and a buddy of mine eat once a month. We take a look at a direct to video or major TV movie. So, we've done uh, a couple that actually tomorrow, which we're recording this on the 24th, 24th. So, every the last Friday of every month is when we're planning on putting them out. So, tomorrow we got a new one come, a new our second episode uh, going out there, and then we've got more in the pipeline. So, follow us on. Twitter or Instagram at small screeners. And you can find me personally on Instagram and Twitter at Brody man 34. All right. By
0: the time this airs, you should be able to go back in the uh, source material comics archive and you should be able to hear it's me, Evan Bevins and Cole Marin tech getting together to talk about the unbeatable squirrel girl. Mm. Uh, should be able to listen to that. Plus we have a solo show by myself on a one shot that came out in 94 about spider-man and it was a flip book so it flips over and then you can read orkin the exterminator that's right (laughs) uh it is a orkin exterminator comic and it's really interesting it's only like 20 minutes because usually i gonna do these solo shows uh it's one of these like free form thought kind of deals where i read the issue and as i'm reading the issue i'm talking but then i kind of do a little bit of post-edit stuff at the beginning but regardless the orkin man becomes this like robocop dude Fighting all, he shrinks down Ant Man style and fights insects. I was like, man, this is actually a pretty neat concept. And I had forgotten the 90s Orkin commercials. Which featured that dude. (laughs) Um, He's in this big mech suit, bust through this door, and he's like targeting these ants. Uh, But anyway, I vaguely
1: remember that. Oh,
0: you listen to the episode when it drops and you will hear (laughs) the commercial because I put it in there the full thing. But anyway, yeah, you can check that out. I'm going to be on the MCU's Bleeding Edge uh, this Friday, going to be talking about uh, our top three Marvel supporting characters and when it comes to marvel cinematic universe we're going to be talking about the supporting characters so everybody in the panel is going to come up with their top three we're going to go three two one we're going to have a good time doing that you can also check me out on Capal, the pop culture podcast the most recent episode i think that they dropped uh is a very video centric episode you you'd probably want to watch this on youtube because we talk about our top 10 comic book covers uh, everybody's got a top 10. We go around the board and we talk about it. And right now, I think the first episode that dropped is 10 through 6. And then 5 through 1 is going to be the next episode that drops. Uh, so if you got some time to kill, it's about a little bit more than an hour. We're having a good time doing that. Of course. Oh,
1: there's a lot of chrome on those. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, oh! That gets mentioned. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just put it out there. That does get mentioned. I, I mean, you can check me out on the Metal Hammer of Doom. Uh, we, we talked about Sabaton. If you like, if you like metal that gives you a history lesson, that's Sabaton. That's, uh, that's what they. <laughs> it's all about the First World War and some of the great heroes, plus some of the in, intense battles that happened. Uh, that's what each song represents. And nice. I think that's about it. I'm sure, like Unspoken Issues. You and I have recorded our recent episode with Dean and Derry, where we talked Dead Man's Hand. Coming up, we're going to be talking about Cosmic Carnage. I don't think you're in on that one. I know the other two guys are definitely talking the Carnage. No, I've read those.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Me, you, and Evan Bevins are planning to do. Uh, A little Darkhawk and Sleepwalker trilogy, right? Of the episodes, yeah, that's going to be a a uh, Darkhawk storyline, a Sleepwalker storyline, and then the crossover issues that they did together.
0: All right, yeah, and of course we got our polls, our our unspoken issue polls that have been sitting there for years that we haven't had. (laughs) One (laughs) I didn't even, one I forgot about. Uh, we'll be doing that pretty soon, too. So, But all right, that's about enough plugs for me. For Chris Armstrong, I'm Jesse Starcher. Thank you very much for joining us. Go out and watch more. Be a support your local uh, theater. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you all for joining us. Make sure to give that Rattelich in Broadcasting Facebook page a like to stay up on top of all the great podcasts we have to offer. We are at home on Spreaker, but you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and recently we have hit the air on Spotify. Find your favorite podcast platform and type in R-A-D-U-L-I-C-H to subscribe for some great content. If you enjoyed this show, please feel free to share and spread the word. And as always, we appreciate any feedback and look forward to entertaining you again soon.